Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to A Journey Through Time, where the pages of history come alive with tales of mystery, intrigue, and laughter. Get ready to dive into the forgotten stories of yesteryears as we present to you Antique Headlines. With your hosts, Gail Cowan and Kristen Fairholm, we're about to embark on a captivating expedition through a treasure trove of the past. Each week, Gail and Kristen will take you on a remarkable journey, revealing hidden stories that once captivated the hearts and minds of readers from an era long past. So, dear listeners, if you're a lover of history, a seeker of untold stories, and a connoisseur of the extraordinary, then look no further. Antique Headlines will be your portal to the past, where every episode promises to be a captivating blend of surprise, emotion, and that undeniable thrill of rediscovery. Hello. Hi, Kristen. Hey, Gail. Hi, it's my favorite time of the week when I get to talk to you about another article from your Double Great Ants album. And I'm very excited to hear what you have unearthed this week. Before we get started, though, I did just want to mention that as we do these articles, of course, there are going to be some topics that are a little bit heavier than others. And so we wanted to mention that this particular article that we're going to discuss today covers the topic of suicide. And so that's important for two reasons. We wanted just to let you know that up front and to please take care of yourself in whatever way you need to around that. And if we also want to put out a resource, which is the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline, which is a 24-hour hotline. And that number is one 800 273-8255. And so with that said, I'm going to just turn it over to you to see what you have uncovered in your treasure trove of articles from your great aunt. Thank you, Gail. Yes, these, have, these again have been very fun to dive into. Um, I also want to preface too by saying that these are clipped articles. They're like literally cut out of newspapers and pasted into this photo album or in this scrapbook album. And so most of the articles don't have a source and the majority of them don't have a, an author to the article either. So if there's one available, we'll be sure to, to give credit where credit's due, but please know that we obviously don't have those for every article. Okay. So today's article, um, the headline is suicide victim rights warning note before death, please seek identity. This is from New York, May 7th. Police today sought the identity of a pretty young brunette who swallowed fatal poison in a midtown bus terminal last night after pinning a suicide note signed, The Little Girl in Gray. The message was addressed to, to whom it may concern and told of running away from home with a boy at the age of 14 and her subsequent downfall. In parentheses, it says, please, when I die, print this in hopes that it may help some other poor girl. And said, it's also said in the part, if it helps a girl who has had even the first thought of leaving home, then I have not done this in vain. There is hardly a state in the, in the East that I have not been to, and I am known and recognized as a woman with a bad reputation who would take your money and cut your throat without a moment's hesitation. I am broke and I am hungry. I haven't had a meal in three days. I have no place to sleep, so I took my last bit of money to buy this paper and the poison. I am leaving no name or address, just when I am buried, and in parentheses it says, I don't really care whether I am or not. I want people to not pity me, nor to scorn me, just to say she was at least intelligent enough to know that when she reached the bottom, she had had sense enough to know she really couldn't get up. The note ended with a farewell to her mother, saying, you will have no more heartaches and no more grieving to do over your erring daughter. 
And then she said, so I say not goodbye, but aloha. I have no one but myself and my father to blame it on. And for you, dad, I'll see you in hell. The little girl in gray. A second note was addressed to a Vernie Keene of Brooklyn, whom later told police that she had met the girl in gray during a bus trip from Lyons, Georgia. Vernie said, she told me she was a trauma nurse and a native of Oklahoma, Miss Keene said. She told me her name was Patricia, and in Philadelphia, she wrote a postcard to her aunt who lived there on West 17th Street. The dead girl was about 25 years old, brown-eyed, five foot, five inches tall, and wore a two-piece tailored suit and a gray suede shoes. There was nothing in her white purse, and she had a small overnight bag with her that was completely empty. That is the end of the story. There are no pictures. Um, I googled as many of the facts that I could, trying to find some more information or a follow-up story, and I couldn't find anything, which I'm guessing is because it's such an old story and because there were, sadly, so many other suicide headlines that Google was picking up that that were more searchable. So. I mean, where to begin on this one? That is a that is that is so many things, right? This is one of those stories where I feel like people could enter it a thousand different ways. You could you could pick up on the fact that she called out her father and basically said "f you" at the end, and follow that down the path. You could talk about how the boy in question was not mentioned at all. Like, where is he? Where is that boy? I have questions. And then you could talk about how much wisdom she had about herself. And just to be able to say at 25, I have reached the end in such an eloquent way. Um, You could talk about the fact that she said, I'm a woman with a bad reputation and how that sucks. There's just so many different ways you could enter this story. But I do, before I I want to ask you a couple questions to make sure I understand this correctly. So the, you said it was a trauma nurse on the bus that she met. Yeah. This is the funny thing about these older articles. Sometimes they're not written in a way that are easy to follow, but it does say that Bernie Keene was the woman that she met on the bus. And so then in quotations, it says she told me she was a trauma nurse and a native of Oklahoma. Okay. But that's Which, all. Actually, it could be a trained nurse. Um, There's some smudging. I mean, this article has been pasted in this book for a long time. So there's a little bit of smudging on it. But what, and there was a letter that was written to her? Yes, she gave, there was a separate letter that was left for this Vernie Kern, but it didn't say what that letter said. Okay, that was my question. It didn't say, this is just like, you know, post pandemic, our brains don't track things in the same way. So thank you for repeating that. And for any listeners out there who also have the same challenges that I do. So, okay. And then it didn't say anything more about her family other than her dad, just kind of at the end. So we don't know anything about that. No. Right. And like you said, the boy wasn't mentioned again, which leads you to wonder, you know, had she gotten pregnant and they had to run away? Was it another incident of a young woman having to suffer the consequences of that relationship? It just, it doesn't say. Well, okay. So I want to know first, what stuck out to you most? What did you attach to most in this article? Personally, for me, it was, it was the running away with, because of a boy or with a boy. And the fact that she was saying she was a woman with a bad reputation. 
And then it also said, she said, a woman with a bad reputation who would take your money and cut your throat without a moment's hesitation. So that seems pretty harsh, even to describe yourself that way. So I'm like, so she violent? Like, is she really violent? Or is this how she views herself? Like, she's, she's at the end of her life, you know, saying that I'm just a horrible person. You know, what, right. what's there? Because, and, and also the details in the story. So as we talked about in one of our previous episodes, there's this way in which newspaper articles were written that is so the the details are details you would not find nowadays and so you have this article that is written it's even the letter is signed the little girl in gray and then she has a white purse so what i picture is this little i didn't know how old she was when you started so i picture a little girl who's got this like patent leather purse right the kind you used to carry when you were a kid and so there's that that you get into that i got into my head and then you hear that she describes herself as somebody who would cut people's throats and those two things don't seem to go together and uh, I think I hear maybe that there was an issue of survival for her and what that's like to be cast out. Definitely. Right. And how sad is it that you take your last bit of money to buy the paper for the note and the poison to take? Yeah, that's right. That's right. Also, where, where did one used to get poison? Because I see this a lot in shows and I have questions about that, but that is neither here nor there. Um, it just seems like people in some of these old older shows used to be able to go to the pharmacy and just be like, I'd like some cyanide, please. It's and so I- read- readily available. They're killing right. their husbands, they're killing themselves. Like, <laughs> and what kind is it? I wish they would have said. Right. A little arsenic that we sprinkle on the cookies, or did we like drink a little special bottle? Right. And if the pharmacist handed it over, would they say, please follow the directions? Because... <laughs> Are there other directions for using cyanide? That's a great question. I don't know. I don't know. Okay. Well, so I, in no particular order, I think, okay, it's a very timely moment given what happened with Roe v. Wade and the leaked SCOTUS decision last week to be talking about how much shit we heap onto women and how we try to demonize them. And I said to you in a staff morning, in the staff meeting this morning, I am so tired of hearing people talk about how women just use abortion as birth control, you know, as if we just go down to the clinic and we're like, oh, it happened again. I'm going to need my monthly, you know, abortion because no woman ever handles it that way. Right. But, you know, who does handle it that way is men. Right. If anybody is flipping about it or kind of just like we can handle it this way and it's not a big deal, it's not women. And so when I'm thinking about this story, I'm thinking, gosh, isn't this just what has happened to women throughout time and space forever and ever, et cetera. And it's like the woman gets told in some way, shape or form, you are going to have sex or not even gets told just that's the option that's available to them, whether she needed to get out of her situation. Cause it sounds like maybe there were some unsavory things going on with her father some dangerous things going on with her father. So maybe this was her escape route. But we know that most 14-year-olds do not, I mean, all 14-year-olds do not choose to have sex in a way that is empowered. And right, there's a different kind of decision going on. Yeah. So then I think this is throughout time and history, what has happened. And then almost always, 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 the woman just gets vilified for it. And man, I am fucking sick of that. I am so sick of that. Yeah. I think that's what we need to just say, we're going to meet in the town square 
and burn this mother down so this stops happening. <laughs> and she feels like a spirit animal for that. She does. She does. Right? She was down to her last F to give, you know, I'll see you in hell, Dad. <laughs> That's right. I mean, it is very sad that she took her own life. And she seems like a very powerful figure in this story. She does. Right? And I'm just dying to know more about her. Like I Googled till I couldn't Google anymore. And there's just nothing like what a tragedy to begin with. But the fact that there's just no name, there's no picture, there's nothing, not that, not that I need to know and fill my own cup with that. It's because, you know, the story behind her. And that's exactly where my mind went to, like, what did they do to her to make her feel like she was such a vile person? And it obviously, as you pointed out, probably had to do with pregnancy or with sex or men, of course, you know, there had to be something behind there. Right. So one of the things that I think is, I don't know why I'm feeling called to say this, but I am, is that when I, sometimes when I hear about stories from the past, I just think, okay, that's a story and I don't really attach to it. But I'm, I'm kind of attaching to this one in that I would like to think about, like honor her in the following way, which is what can I take from this story? How can I be a little bit more like her today? (laughs) And so I know that sounds strange, but I love this. I think this place in women where you run out of fucks to give, even if, not even if, I'm not going to belittle or, you know, take away from the ending to her life because that's a big deal. And she didn't get to live her whole life. But even when it ends this way, I feel like I could hear that she was out of F's to give. And that place for me inside of women is just could change the whole entire world if we all reached it. Right. So, so today I'm thinking how I can just take a little bit of that with me and stop caring so much about shit that doesn't matter. I think we have to, I mean, in her short life, you know, 11 years between the time she ran away to what they identified her as being possibly 25, like that's a lot of shit to make you just you lose, you know, lose all the care that you have for those kind of things. And like, yeah, obviously we think about like who could have intervened in her life that would have helped her and made that better for her. Why this had to be the path for her. But also like, like you said, we're just women or should just be at the end of it right now. Like I am so tired of government telling us what we can and can't do with our bodies. Like how many women were there like this poor girl? that that's that's what I think about and I think about the shame that teen parents teen moms especially carry Mm -hmm. you know their entire lives if they ever are able to let go of that stuff so I'm sure that that's got something to do with it I just feel it in this article but maybe that's just me I don't think so I think that all of the information is there and this is something that you and I deal with on a daily basis in our work doing a work to promote sex ed, but also I think this lives in so many of us, this type of patterning, whether it was as extreme as it was for her um, in terms of possibly we can read between the lines, childhood sexual abuse, or certainly when she was 14, right? Like running away with somebody and maybe as we can surmise getting pregnant. But I think it's like, we can all as women, regardless of whether or not it was as extreme, just relate to that feeling of boundaries being crossed by somebody else and then being vilified for it. And I will tell you what I have learned the older I get is that there is no stronger force on this planet than women's anger. Nothing (laughs) stronger than that. Everybody's afraid of it. Every single person and every man that I've ever met is terrified (laughs) of the woman in their life getting really angry. So sometimes I just want us to just burn that that mother effort down, you know, 
<laughs> just do it in the name of like her name and then everybody else who's ever experienced it. So exactly. Get us on those buses to DC. <laughs> that's right that's right we're gonna we're gonna like storm the capital in a different much more respectful way and i um not not as violent way but but here okay so that's one thing because you know i could stay on that soapbox forever but i'm gonna come down i also what the other thing that came up for me is this question as we were as you were telling the story about how does this this 25 year old woman's story how did it get carried on in the in her family of origin through the DNA? So you know how I think a lot of us, I, I'm hopeful that it's changing for our kids' generations where there aren't as many secrets. But certainly in my generation, I was born in 1974. So many of my friends, right, have parents and grandparents where it was like, we don't talk about that thing. By the way, this is why I think that song from Encanto, We Don't Talk About Bruno, is Encanto, sorry, is so is so powerful for kids of this generation because they're just over that whole pattern. They came into this life not going, they're not holding those secrets. And so I think that song's that's a that's a tangent. I agree. Anyway, <laughs> yeah. So I think that um I think I'm curious, was she somebody that was spoken about? Was there abuse that never got dealt with? How did her legacy get carried on in the family? And I have a lot of questions about that that I'm sure will never be answered, but that's the other thing that came to my mind as, as you were reading it. Yeah, I was thinking the same. It's like, I would love to know the rest of the story. There's so much more here. Yeah, I know. And we are neither journalists or nor uh, private investigators. So we probably will not find out that information. But it's a really interesting one. Thank you for sharing it. Yes. And so by chance, if someone's listening and they know this story, the story is your family, reach out to us because we would love to we would love to hear more. Yeah. Or if you have a similar pattern in your own family uh, about suicide, you know, a great aunt, a great uncle, somebody who did something or somebody who was, quote, a woman with a bad reputation, that would also be interesting to hear from you because it's certainly a subject that I would like to talk more about and hear from more real life stories about that. Yes, me too. Time to give those women the respect that they deserve. They're no longer the secrets, the secrets that were hidden away or never spoken about again. Yeah. And that's sort of in closing for me, that's what this past week also, I said, think I said to you in the, in the staff meeting, it brought me a lot of hope at the end of the last week, because I think I heard a lot of people talking about the subject of abortion in a way that was new, not living in the shadows and the shame anymore. So while what is happening at a policy level is awful, I also hear a lot more of the subject coming into the light. And that gives me a lot of hope. And so to the little girl in gray, we salute you. And uh, thank you for being a part of our podcast today. And again, before we end, we just want to give that number again for the National Suicide Prevention Hotline, which is a 24-hour hotline you can reach out um, to if you're in need. It's 1-800-273-8255. And thank you for listening today. Ladies, check on your friends. That's the strong ones that you need to check in with. That's right. It's true. Okay, until next time. Until next time. The tales we've uncovered, the mysteries unraveled, and the laughter shared all resonated with the echoes of history. We hope these stories have touched your hearts as they have ours. As we bid adieu, dear listeners, from this captivating voyage through time, We want to thank you for joining us on the unforgettable journey into the past. Please join us again next time. And 
in the meanwhile, don't forget to rate, subscribe, and leave a review wherever you listen to your podcasts. This is Antique Headlines, where the whispers of history forever echo in our hearts.